0: hey, you got to come to Hollywood with us. You know, you're going to be the next big thing, whatever. I was so delusional. I was in my early 20s. -hmm. And I, um, you know, I went up like once every six months thinking like, uh, one of these times somebody will see me. And then... Every
1: six months, you said? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Big gaps.
0: Huge (laughs) gaps. I was learning nothing in between. (laughs) You know, I was doing nothing to better myself as a comedian. I just thought like... Oh, every six months I'll get the opportunity to get seen by somebody. <laughs> like, who knows who will be in the crowd? And yeah, it was a terrible mindset for that. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the EduPunks podcast. This is your host, Craig Bideman, welcoming you to another conversation with an everyday educator, daily disruptor, or DIY uh, great person that does cool stuff on their their own and creates community around it. That's what we're talking about today because I've got Sean Carter on the podcast. Sean is a DIY comedy guy. He has built a great... uh, a community of comedians in the Boston area. He's been doing stand-up for well over a decade and has been doing a lot of learning and a lot of teaching along the way of other comedians as he's built this really cool circle of comedians that kind of like orbit him uh, around the comedy scene in Boston and a few other Promoters as well And bookers And producers of comedy In the area But Sean's one of those guys That if you If you know Sean You can get connected To really anyone In the Boston comedy scene Uh, He's just one of those guys And I'm really excited To share the conversation That we had In his living room With this really nice setup That was really cool We're going to talk about The album that he released Last year As well as The kick-ass podcast That he runs uh, uh, That is a comedy debate show That I go to Every Every single week here in Quincy, Massachusetts, and it is full of some of the funniest people I've ever met and some of the most strangest things that ever get brought up in a public space. But we're going to get to all that later. I'm really thankful for folks who really enjoyed my conversation with Katie Weaver last week, one of my favorite human beings uh, in existence. Uh, she and I got to talk about photography and how she got her start at Oregon State University, which is where we met. Uh, so if you haven't gotten to check that one out, please go do it. Go, go listen to me talk to Katie. But, not, but wait, uh, listen to this one first and then go to listen to that one and then listen to all the other ones that I've done because the, I think the podcast is cool. I mean, I do it. I put some good time into it. I think it's pretty great. But yeah, that's, that's all I got to say about that. You're also going to get to hear some tunes from the new Florida Man album uh, coming, out, coming your way in May through Spartan Records. We're going to play some uh, some more of the song that you just heard a little bit of. We're going to play the whole song later in the episode. And just to remind you a little bit about the nonprofit that I run called The Art of Survival, go to artissurvival.com. It is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and we started our nonprofit three years ago uh, in Sexual Assault Awareness Month to be an organization that was for sexual assault survivors and trauma survivors, and then it branched into a whole big other thing that it has become now. Uh, but three years ago, uh, this week we launched the project, and now it's become this really cool thing where uh, we support bands and we tour around, and Katie tours around, and. Uh, We do a lot of uh, storytelling to support survivors. So go to artistsurvival.com and check out more of what we do. Get some resources, read some stories, and also go to patreon.com slash art of survival so that you can support and become a monthly donor to our organization. That would be really helpful. I would love it. Also, the podcast is a part of the ConnectEDU network. Go to connectedu.network to learn more about all the fantastic podcasts and resources that you can find in this fantastic organization of podcasters. The network connects the unique perspectives and expert insight of higher education through podcasting. So if you're affiliated with higher education from being a professor to a director of marketing, you might be able to find a podcast that fits your style. Hey, you might be a punk in higher ed and you didn't know there was a podcast specifically for punks in education uh, that, that I run. And here you are. You you got it now. I hope that you like what you're hearing, and maybe you want to go check out some other podcasts, maybe by my friend Josie, or maybe by my buddy Dustin. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you want to listen to those, too. Go check them out. Connect EDU Network. Uh, that, that's what that's what I'm a part of, the Connect EDU Network. Go to connectedu.network to learn more. And now I want to bring you this conversation with Sean. So here we go. <laughs> Uh, Hey, so I'm sitting in Sean Carter's living room. How are you doing, Sean?
0: Great. How are you?
1: I'm doing very well. Nice. We just got done talking about sex. Yeah. Which we're not going to talk about in this episode of this podcast, which is fine. Um, But yeah, we're uh, sitting here, Quincy, Massachusetts. Uh, It's a rainy evening, Mm -hmm. which it was a nice weekend and then it just turned rainy, which is fine.
0: Yeah, I guess. You never know what
1: to expect here, right?
0: I'm so done with New England weather.
1: It's yeah. Like, you were just saying you, you gotta get out.
0: Yeah, I'm and I'm turning into one of those people that just always complains about the weather. <laughs> it's like so boring.
1: We're in our thirties, right? That's what we do now. I guess so. <laughs> well, I found that like even like while uh Katie's gone sometimes, sometimes the conversations just revolve around what's the weather like where you are. <laughs> yeah.
0: But at least then you can like imagine that it's nicer somewhere else. Yeah.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. here man, it's just it kind of like... so nice to be in florida right now <laughs> i was in miami like this time last month <laughs> yeah for like a day but it's fine
0: miami i mean florida yeah, yeah i wouldn't want to live there either
1: oh man i don't want to deal with like tsunamis and stuff yeah. that they deal with i don't want to do for like either. a week yeah nice. yeah i mean i went to or- we went to orlando for like a week and did the saw the sights and it was fine yeah. experienced my first ever flash flood oh Have you ever experienced one of those before?
0: No. What happened?
1: Terrifying. So it's like a massive like thunderstorm that lasts like 10 minutes. But it's such a torrential downpour that it fills the streets with water. And like I got out of a car like we were going to run into a restaurant, which we literally should have just waited a couple more Mm. minutes. And I stepped out of the car and my sandal got swept away by I was basically barefoot in this restaurant. In St. Petersburg, Florida.
0: What kind it of was, restaurant? Was it like a It was IHop a nice restaurant.
1: <laughs> but I feel like they're comfortable. The kind of place they
0: expect you to have shoes. <laughs> exactly.
1: But it was one of those places where like, they understood. Yeah. They're like, we get what just happened. It's fine. Yeah. But there was like a subtle, you could also go buy some new shoes right over there. <laughs> it was a boardwalk. Just
0: a little nudge.
1: A little bit of like, you know what? You could still... Put on some shoes mm-hmm. that are... It's fine. So I'm here with Sean because I want to talk a little bit about what he does in the world. But first, why don't you tell people about who you are, what you do, and like where you come from and how you got here.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, my name is Sean Carter. I am a stand-up comedian and comedy producer. Uh, now when people ask me what I do for a job, I say I produce comedy shows. That nice. way they don't ask me to tell them a joke.
1: <laughs> that is smart. That's really, like, learning. Like, you've learned.
0: I did. I, yeah, I had to learn that. Because otherwise, every single time you tell somebody that. I had to put it on... When Sarah and I got married, they ask they asked you what your occupation mm-hmm. is. And I was like, I am a comedian. And the woman was like, can you tell me a joke? And I'm like, we're in town hall. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm paying you to do this right now. I shouldn't have to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so stand-up comedian, comedy producer and i grew up in rockland massachusetts nice yeah you've um, been in mass i've been in mass forever yeah. i've left occasionally <laughs> for you've vacations. done a good
1: bit of traveling lately i've seen yeah but that's cool
0: i guess you know we'll go down to tennessee where sarah's yeah. family lives and yeah i like to travel now and then but mm-hmm. i've i but as a resident i've been in massachusetts all my life yeah, yeah.
1: when did you start like doing comedy like when was that what was your first experience doing comedy
0: my first experience doing comedy was in man i want to say like 2003 2002 something like that and maybe even earlier but it was at the comedy connection in faneuil hall when that still existed and that place probably seated like 500 people it was huge place and I had no right to be on that stage. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Um, they, So somebody, one of my friends worked as a door guy there. Yeah. And they were like, oh, they'll if you sign up for this show and you bring 10 people, they'll put you on stage. And then I was like, I don't know if I can do that. And all my friends just kept being like, you have to do this. And all my friends just kind of pushed me into it. And finally I called the guy and I was like, I'll do, could I do this? You know? And he's like, yeah, you gotta bring 10 people. And he's like, do you have five minutes? I'd never been on stage before. And I was like, I will write five minutes of material. (laughs) And then I did. And four months later I was on stage and because people bring 10 people and there's eight people on the show, there was a nice crowd of 80 to a hundred people and Probably 20 or 30 of them were good friends of mine. Yeah. So, of course, it went great because, you know, your friends are supportive when you're doing something They'll like that. They'll laugh at it. Yeah. So, it went great. And uh, then I was hooked. That was it. It was like, you know, there was like a real high that came from doing it. And uh, I've been chasing it ever since. <laughs> oh, man.
1: No, I totally get that. Like, being in front of people, like, when I when I do talks, I tend to try to start with something that I think is <clears throat> that I think is funny and and I have like you know a couple things but I am in no way a comedian and they know that too very quickly but like I'll try to just drop something just to get it going and the second it lands I'm like hell yeah we can go <laughs> <clears throat> but there have been times I'm like I'm going to do this talk like I and I'll even say it like I'm going to do this talk the way I normally do it but if y'all aren't into what I just said Strap in, because yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a long talk. Yep. Um, so after that first um, time on stage, you were chasing it. Yeah. Um, what was your learning process from there?
0: Um. So, oh man, I was so delusional when I started. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I thought, like, uh, somebody will just see me on stage. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, you got to come to Hollywood with us. You know, you're going to be the next big thing, whatever. I was so delusional. I was in my early 20s. -hmm. And I, um, you know, I went up like once every six months thinking like, uh, one of these times somebody will see me. And then... Every
1: six months, you said? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Big gaps.
0: Huge gaps. I was learning nothing in between. (laughs) You know, I was doing nothing to better myself as a comedian. I just thought like oh, every six months I'll get the opportunity to get seen by somebody. (laughs) Like, who knows who will be in the crowd? And, yeah, it was was a terrible mindset for that. But as I got, like, more involved um, and I started going, like, okay, I got to start doing open mics because I'm working landscaping. I hate it. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to make any money in my life. And that's fine, but I don't want to make, like, I don't want to be poor and breaking my back. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I'm okay being poor and, like, you know – Having an okay job or, you know, something I like, but not breaking my back and being poor. So I was like, I got to start hitting open mics and like getting real about this. So I, the first thing that I ever did was like stock, you know, Dan Crone. He's a comedian in Boston, but he started a little bit before me. I kind of stalked, like, his MySpace page, seeing, like, where he was going on stage. And then I'd, like, contact those places. Yeah. And I was like, oh, those are probably places I can get on. I've met this guy. Yeah. And then I started doing, like, some open mics and some shows like that. And uh, as I got more involved in it, you know, I started reading what people were writing, which is, like, you need to do this, like, three or four times a week to get good at it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I did that for uh, 10, 12 years before recording an album, mm-hmm. and it was a long learning process.
1: Jeez. Yeah. So some of that early stuff, what were you even talking about?
0: Um, Man, the, the first time that I went on stage, I made like a Dr. Kevorkian joke. I From
1: Oregon, I, hell yeah. Was he? <laughs> oh, man.
0: And... I don't even remember. Like I made fun of the clothes that I was wearing, you know, I have no idea. It was so, it was, was it
1: so early. You still hadn't really lived a lot of life yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was probably like 22 when I started. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I had no real perspective.
1: Yeah. That was like, what, that was early 2000, you said, that was, like, the Comedy Central, like, boom, right? Yeah. Like, everyone was getting Comedy Central specials. And, yeah. Like, like, I remember just watching those all the time, and I imagine as a comedian, like, a bunch of people were like, we're going to get on one of those, probably. It was like the HBO special was a big deal. Yeah. Comedy Central was a big deal. And now it's, like, the Netflix special.
0: Yeah. Back then they had, like, Premium Blend. Premium Blend, You know, Blend, there yeah. were those, like, you could do a five or ten minute spot on Comedy Central. You didn't have to have a half hour special on there. So a lot of people were getting spots like that. Yeah. Um, And
1: then the late nights and stuff like that. So you'd probably see that all the time.
0: Yeah, there were... When I started, there were a few people that were getting, like, late night spots. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know them. They were... I was so new that Mm -hmm. it would be, like, intimidating to talk to them, you know?
1: I'm sure that was, like, the inflation of the the ego you were talking about how like someone's gonna see me and i'm gonna get thrown up there it's just around that time it was a big boom like, yeah it really was
0: i mean i would blame more just like hollywood yeah. for that. like <laughs> they try to train us to be like you're special and somebody will discover you <laughs> you know every movie is like that yeah it's like you're gonna get
1: well that's what every band what thinks too yeah like, every band's like man we just gotta play the gig, yeah. and someone will be at the gig, and we'll be fine. I'm <laughs> like, no, you gotta like, you gotta like hard, like you gotta, you gotta gig, like that yeah. is your life, yeah, to get discovered. Like I have friends who've been on this podcast that have worked years just to get to where they are and like it takes a minute to even like put out an album like you understand now um
0: to record an album as a comedian which is just my voice yeah is a huge like endeavor i can't imagine trying to coordinate with four or five other people a studio involved Mm -hmm. like sound engineers making sure
1: the instruments sound right yeah it's chaos having recorded plenty of stuff it's So nerve-wracking, and then there's like, okay, we got to mix it now, and then we got to, like, master it. Like, why can't I just have the thing that I just recorded? Come on! Yeah. When did you notice your perspective actually starting to develop as a comedian? Hmm. Did you have to go through some shit? Yeah, I guess, like, the first
0: (laughs) first time that somebody... When I started out, like, people would be like, oh, you're a good joke writer, Hmm. which is, I think, is a great compliment, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't... But some people don't look at it that way, you know? It's all that I ever wanted to do anyways. Yeah. But the first time that somebody was like, man, that I did not expect was like right after I had gotten divorced. Okay. And I went on stage basically like the day that I got divorced and had talked about the experience of like going to court. Mm. So it had already been going on for a little while. Like I was separated and everything. And this was like the court date. Yeah. And so I went up and talked about... The court date and getting divorced and like that was the first time that people were like oh shit (laughs) like you're talking about real life stuff now and uh i feel it and i was like all right i like that
1: there's something here yeah yeah um
0: so if i can like that's the thing it's like so i could make people laugh with something that was sort of like a sad story you know in a way um then that's Uh, That's when I felt like, oh, this is better than just like just purely like a written joke. That's just like a structure, like a formula that I've written out. Yeah.
1: No, I think that that's there's a lot of vulnerability there. And I think that that is huge. Yeah. Um, Because I found that I didn't really get that perspective until like I had gone through some stuff and um, being able to even talk from a place of I've been through this thing. I'm. Sort of fine about it, <laughs> but let's, let's joke about it a little bit. And I do yeah. that a lot when I do talks about mental health and I try to make jokes about like depression and whatnot. And, um, people see that and they're like, he seems okay enough to be able to laugh at this. So I imagine Sean making jokes about his divorce. He's got to be at least okay with this at some, to some degree.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what you need to have is like the right sense of humor mm-hmm. and then something that happens that's a little sad. Yeah. And then, you know, to be able to talk about it, you know, because when you're in your twenties, like, you know, when you're in your early twenties, mm-hmm. you haven't really lived much of life. No. You know, what are you going to talk about? Exactly. Nothing.
1: No. And I think there, it, there's like a fine line between people who've talked about divorce in a thoughtful Yet still like hypercritical way. But then there's the people who are like, yeah, this bitch I was married mm. to, yeah, she's she's gone now. Yeah, There's like a fine line between those two and actually like finding substance there Yeah, and presenting it as such.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's weird. I don't know. Maybe some people like the over the top mean thing. Mm-hmm. But like in my experience, when I have said something about my ex-wife that was like, I've at times been like, she wasn't very nice, you know, and people are usually, people are usually receptive to that. See, and
1: that's funnier to me. yeah.
0: But if you, I don't know, if you're mean about, like, if you come off very mean about Mm -hmm. the other person, people don't like it. No. They're like, maybe you were the problem.
1: Exactly.
0: And then you start going like, oh, maybe I was. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have to think about it. But I guess some people never reach that point. And some people stay married and they just complain about their wife. Like, I'm sure you've seen stand-up where well, yeah. it's just all oh, my wife is a bitch, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. And you go like, well, why did you marry? Why are yeah. you still married? What are you, are you doing? Come on. D- Has she seen your act? Yeah, exactly. Like?
1: <laughs> That's why, like, John Mullaney's like the guy right now. Whenever he talks about his wife, he's like. He talks about her in, like, these... He actually has a whole thing about, like, talk comedians who talk about their wives like a bitch. She's like, she is a bitch. And if she heard me say that, <laughs> I would be in, so, like, so much... <laughs> 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 I, I I love those, like, self-referential, um, like, uh, takes on comedy. That's what I've always liked about your comedy in general. Just because you're... You present it in a way that's not, like... Not totally self-defeatist, either. You're able to, like have a good heart about these hard things to talk about. And I think that that's not easy to find, especially in like, but you've been doing this for a minute. Yeah. So it it would be hard. Like if I saw someone doing that 25, like, yeah, I just got divorced at 25. Here's a nice, unique perspective on it. Like that would be hard for me to find. Right because I guess at
0: twenty five, maybe if you're high school sweetheart, you got married and, you know, it fell apart, you didn't expect it, but I have still friends my
1: age, I mean, I'm thirty one. I have friends my age on their second marriages already.
0: Yeah. Like, nothing wrong with a second nothing marriage. Nothing wrong by with the a way. second marriage.
1: <laughs> but like I had friends who got married pretty early after high school yeah. and like I could not have fathomed that. Yeah. And so, um I <laughs> Can't even fathom it now, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where I think there's a there's a big level of understanding, and this actually ties to the conversation we were having before we did this, yep. where there's so much that you need to know about a person before you can spend so much time with that person, and if you haven't gotten to that level, then like you're going to discover things that you did not see there, yeah. at all. <laughs> That's so
0: scary that people. Ah. People will, like marry each other or move in together without knowing each other that
1: well. And mm-hmm. it's
0: terrifying. It's
1: wild. Yeah. Um, it's mm, It's funny because I say that and I laugh about it. Katie and I have lived together all but one month that we have been dating. Oh. Wow. <laughs> we like wow. uh, but it was also circums- Is it the current month that you haven't lived no. together? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was also it was pretty circumstantial, honestly, because when we first got together they we're living in the Midwest and they needed to come out to the East Coast so they could actually get jo- a mm-hmm. job out here. And I was like, well, we just started dating. But if you want to stay in my place while you search, that's fine. Yeah. So our first month of dating, we worked together. And then ever since, we've lived in the same place together. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm completely hypocritical. That is
0: unconventional. But, but also, you didn't get married. No, we were not married. Like, if it didn't work out...
1: Yeah, if it doesn't you know. work out, we've got a lease that we would have yeah. to break, and a car we'd probably well. have to get back, but that's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine, Sean. <laughs> Don't tell me these adult things. <laughs> um, so, now, you've been pretty tied to the local Boston scene. Uh, when did you start hosting, like, your own gigs?
0: Uh, so the first show that I started hosting was a comedy open mic in Somerville at a place called Sally O'Brien's. Mm. It was, it was the first open mic that I ever did. And at the time it was run by uh, two guys, Dan Hirschhorn and Mike Kaplan. And when they both moved to New York, Josh Gondelman took it over. Mm-hmm. And then when Josh Gondelman moved to New York, because everybody moves to New York, yeah. I took it over, and then I did not move to New York, <laughs> um, but I did recently move on from that show, but I, I started hosting that in 2011, late 2011, and I stopped hosting it two weeks ago.
1: <laughs> Great timing.
0: Yeah, so I um, so I did that for eight years. I hosted shows at the Iron Furnace in Quincy, mm-hmm. which is probably where That's we where first we met. met. Yeah. Um, then that place closed after a few years mm-hmm. and then I moved over to Maggie's Lounge in Quincy.
1: In Quincy, Mass.
0: Yeah, where uh, I wanted to do something a little different, so mm-hmm. I started my comedy debate show yes. and podcast.
1: Which we're going to get to. <laughs> yeah, so
0: um, I've just been hosting a lot of shows like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so this is like incredibly just so local to where we are, but it it is fascinating to kind of see the circle of comedians that you've kind of, I don't know, started to, I don't know, build like a, there's like a whole scene of like people that kind of like, you're the guy they circle around. I keep finding these circles of people <laughs> just like, yeah, Sean booked this gig. Oh, yeah, I kind of know who's going to be on that lineup. I can just go to the gig. I can trust who Sean booked. Yeah. Um, and there are a couple people in the area that do that. And like you can – like if Brandon Valley's booking a gig and like I have an idea of who's going to be at one of his shows, I have an idea of who's going to be at one of Sean Carter's yeah. shows, I have an idea of who's going to be one of like Sean Connolly's shows too. Like they're all – Yeah. But there, there are more people booking plenty of things. But like I have like that idea of I can trust whomever is doing these shows and – I think that that's a really cool thing that's really been developed here.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, essential if you're booking a show, is that people trust you to Mm -hmm. put on a good show, to book the right people. And, you know, you take a chance on somebody now and then, you know. Uh, if they don't do well, somebody else will save this. You've given after me a them,
1: couple but. chances, which is <laughs> like fascinating to me and I really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> but I think just being involved in comedy and um, I don't look at other comedians as my competition. I look at it as like sort of, uh, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships sort of thing, right? Aww. So if I... Like when I was running an open mic, I want everybody to get good mm-hmm. because I want to run not open mics. I want to run, <laughs> you know, booked comedy shows that people are coming out to because yeah. they're like, these guys are great. These women and guys, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, they want to come out because they know it's going to be a good show. That doesn't happen unless you have a good open mic scene, mm-hmm. you know. So for me, it was always like, all right. Let's try and be nice to people when they're starting. Them. Well, and that's because so it's relieving so easy to hear. not to. Yeah,
1: be. it's so relieving to hear that sort of thing because I I've always like on the outside looking in. I've always viewed like comedians are the ones who are like always like super critical of each other and critical yeah. of themselves. But if you have a scene that's thriving and supportive, like you're gonna all get better.
0: Yeah, and that's not to say I don't have my moments where I'm like screw this person yeah. or whatever you know where uh, oh, they
1: moved to new york of course they moved yeah to new york. of
0: course like there's moments where you go like ah why did this person get something you know yeah. but as i try to spend most of my time being positive <laughs> and publicly positive yeah. and when i'm negative hopefully it's like in my apartment yeah, by yeah, myself
1: yeah yeah in the shower crying. Exactly. You know it. what I'm talking about. I know what I Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Alright, so quick break. I know that I already plugged the Connect EDU network and Art of Survival at the top of the podcast, just so that I could bring you right now a piece of Sean's album One Hundred Problems. It's a bit about running. He knows that I love running, so he thought that this would be a very great uh a bit to share on the podcast so i'm gonna play this for you and then we'll get back into the conversation and then later we'll have a music break here we go
0: i try to start running i hate running (laughs) some people like it it's bullshit that they do (laughs) but some people like it and those people will try and give you hints on how to enjoy running right (laughs) like i had a friend that was like oh you should listen to music while you run I was like, yeah, I listen to music while I run. What kind of psychopath just runs in silence? I've gotten to the gym before, realized they didn't have headphones, and just gone home. And I was like, what kind of music would motivate me? What kind of music would make me run forward? And I can only think, like, the ice cream truck music you know just out of sight (laughs) then a friend told me they said um, listen to Spotify while you run because on Spotify there's a certain run playlist where when you're running your phone can tell how fast it's moving and your phone will give you a song that has a beat that goes with your stride yeah that is crazy technology right I heard that I was like holy shit I'm gonna be so amped up Run into like Metallica, Megadeth, Rage Against the Machine. Now I can see you guys are shaking your heads. You can tell by looking at me. I didn't get any songs by any of those bands. I turned that thing on. First song I got, Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. You don't even keep running when that comes on. I just sat on the treadmill called my mom
1: it's like everybody does hurt hope you enjoyed sean throwing my favorite activity under the bus Uh, hopefully you caught some of my laughs in there too i i loved that recording you're gonna get now you're gonna get to hear us talk about what it took to record that album uh which is pretty sweet it's a really cool process that he went through uh you're gonna hear how to get a hold of that as well here we go so you did an album.
0: Yeah. In that was 2018.
1: In 2018. Yeah. I was there. It was great.
0: It Thank was you for of, coming. It was to a lot of fun. recording. It was
1: one of the most packed I've seen Maggie's Lounge.
0: Yeah, it was full for sure. That was nice. Yeah. It's That's nice to difficult. have a spot that you only need like 50 people for it to be a sold out show. <laughs> yeah,
1: to cuz you don't you you want to see those seats filled. You want to have the the good laughs for the for the mics.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's like, and that's a whole other part of like, because I've heard some comedy albums that weren't, like Stephen Lynch has a comedy album that he, re- he just recorded a bunch of comedy songs and then we just fell flat because there's no crowd to it. Oh, like and he's a studio recording? Yeah. yeah. Which is like weird to me because then like one of his, one of my favorite albums from him is a live thing called The Craig Machine okay yep i remember that and it's great just because the audience reacts to it yep so thinking about what goes into creating like a comedy album what were some of the things you had to consider
0: um oh man so definitely getting a crowd in there is number one like you said like if you don't have people laughing at it it's just it feels like it falls flat right so definitely getting that crowd nice and full Um, the other thing is making sure that, you know, the audio is good. I've heard a lot of stand-up albums where, you know, it's like a name, like it's a person that I've heard of and their audio is not as good as like I had, I was lucky enough to have my friend Ben Quick, who Mm -hmm. was like, he went to school for like audio engineering. So I was lucky enough to have him do that, uh, which was very nice of him, but you know, These people, I've heard of some people that, you know, I look up their album and it's like not that the audio recording is like kind of not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The jokes are good, but the recording itself is bad. And I go like, how do you do that? Yeah. seems like one of the most important things. Somebody's just got this in their ears directly. They can't see you. Nothing. This is all that they have of you is the audio and you're going to give them subpar audio. Yep. Uh, So that was like a big thing was that I needed to make sure that that was like crisp and clear. Um, And then, you know, is just making sure that I had the act. That's a big thing.
1: Yeah. How was it putting together the... It was an hour. So how was it putting together an hour?
0: It is tough because I'm sure you know as a creative person that when you're making something... Like, when do you feel like you're done?
1: Or that it's ready to even be tested.
0: Right. Like, never. Like, you can always keep keep improving it, especially with comedy, because uh, comedy, you know, exists in a certain time, so there's context to it. So, you know, if you listen to something from 10 years ago, it might not even hold up. So some of these jokes were from when I started 10 years ago, and I'd be like, does this still work? And so, you know, you put it together. I, I tried to time it all out. I did a bunch of headlining sets leading up to it and made sure that I structured it right, mm-hmm. you know, that we, that we started off uh, strong and ended strong and that if anything was going to bomb, it was going to go in the middle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and then, you know, when they do, you, you cut them out. You edit it out.
1: <laughs> edited out the things that fell.
0: I don't know if you notice this, but the CD that you heard is shorter than the show that you saw.
1: <laughs> but that's typical. That's pretty typical. Though. Sure.
0: Yeah. Of course. Everybody edits their. Yeah. Their everything's
1: yeah. gonna get edited a bit. But it's also like one of those things that I've always like admired and people who can put together like an hour show or whichever. Like even when I do my talks, it's hard to like remember all of the things you need to hit. Yeah. Like the memorization part of it has like. There's a whole trade to that. Yeah. It was like.
0: There's been plenty of times when I've gotten off stage and been like, I forgot to do this bit or I forgot to do these three bits yeah. that I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. I just forgot to do them. But on a CD recording, that's the thing. It's like you're on a mission to get all of those bits out. Whereas a regular headlining set, you know, you might end up talking to somebody in the crowd and that might end up, I mean, I don't want to encourage people that might be in a crowd to talk to the comedian, no. but you know, like some people, somebody will yell something out or, you know, it's not desirable, but it happens. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you just get in an interaction that lasts five minutes yeah. and then you go back to them later and it lasts another five minutes and you end up spending like a bunch of your time talking to an audience member that you're not doing your act, but you're still, you're being yourself, yeah. you're having fun and the crowd is enjoying it. And so it's a fun night. Yeah. But you don't, you don't want to put that on the CD. No. You know? No. So that was a big thing. Recording the CD was like making sure that I did every one of the bits yeah. that I had written and that I felt like w- was ready or would fit into what I was doing this time, you know, which was a lot like about divorce and...
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like well, and you were going into a home game. Like, the people there loved you, were there to support you. The what, like, and I, I in the back of my brain, I was like, I just hope no one, like, tries to interrupt this shit. Yeah. Like, that's kind of always in the back of my brain when we go to, like, anything that's really, re- like, being recorded. i yeah. I've been to, like, some live gigs and stuff that are being recorded. I'm like, I hope nothing dumb happens yeah. while we're recording this. Was that something ever in your brain?
0: I mean, I, yeah, I had it in my mind that, like, somebody could yell something out. But it was... I had, like, so many people in that room that I knew.
1: hmm And so many of them were comedians Yeah, know.
0: Yeah, and there were a lot of comedians that were like, I'll go tell that person to shut up right now or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, the door's making noise when it opens. I'll go tell them to not open the door anymore, you know? <laughs>
1: uh,
0: comedians wanted to take care of it, you know? Yeah. I had, like, basically, like... 12 people in the room that wanted to be the bouncer that night you know <laughs> so that was nice yeah they're like the hand dryer's making noise we should yeah. go tell them to stop using the hand dryer well
1: i remember for a while the like ac or whatever would kick on it it would make yeah. a whole noise and we're like ah, dang
0: it you know what the the hand dryer was making noise yeah. and canavan rick canavan who introduced me mm-hmm like, made an announcement before introducing me, like, please wipe your hands on your shirt after (laughs) washing them instead of using the hand dryer.
1: That's so great. (laughs) So what's the album called?
0: It's called 100 Problems. 100
1: Problems. Yeah. I love it. Because your name is Sean Carter,
0: yes, and Jay Z's name is also Sean Carter. It's so
1: fantastic!
0: It's uh, it was a little fun, little play on words. It yeah. was a, it was a joke that I had in my act, and I was like, "What if this is just like the cover of the album, yeah. and you don't even hear it on the album, but you get it?"
1: Yeah, you know, it's fantastic. I love that play. Thanks. It was, good. It was a good move. Um, so the other. Cool thing that you run consistently is the Pick Aside Stupid podcast, yes, and debate show <laughs> yes. that I go to like virtually every week.
0: Yes, thank you for that. By of the way, of course,
1: we love to bring people to it because like a lot of times we explain to people what it is, and they're like, "That sounds incredible!" And so I love that it's like even just as a mission, it's something that people are interested in. Can you explain to people what the hell it is?
0: Okay, so the Pick Aside Stupid debate show that I run is um, I will ask a question, a silly question usually, um, of two comedians and one of them will argue one side of it for a minute and then the other comedian will argue the other side of it for one minute and then they each get a 30-second rebuttal and then I pick a winner Yep. and I encourage the crowd to (laughs) boo me if they disagree with me. We
1: we yell (laughs) some things at you. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, you do. Um... And, you know, we we do it so that whoever wins goes on and faces another winner and uh, like a bracket style until we get down to the final two comedians and they face each other. And then instead of me choosing the final one, we have people vote in Mm -hmm. the audience online. It's a good
1: move. It was a good change.
0: Uh, It's fun. (laughs) So, and yeah, we're working on that too. We're working on like a method to be able to where I, on my phone, will be able to either choose a winner or turn it over to the audience mm. at any point in time during the show. Oh. Yeah. So that would be a fun It's fancy change.
1: here in Quincy, Mass.
0: Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, so my friend who, like, develops apps was like, I could make something. And I was like, all right, let's try it out. That's sick. Yeah. Um, so that's basically the show. But we've covered everything from dating to 90s music to... The wildlife
1: episode still one of my favorites. The wildlife
0: episode was so fun. It was wild. Maybe. And Andrew Mayer's great. Oh, so yeah. It's awesome to have him on. And, oh, for sure. You know, and I really like, so there's like artwork for almost every week. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Jay Baggett doing it for like six months or something like that. Matt Bedell does it now. Yeah. Uh, Mike Romaldi has done it. Anthony Massa. It's just nice to get like something unique for each show, yeah. you know, and to have like more creative types just getting involved.
1: I so. love that. That's, again, like a testament to the community you're building.
0: It's fun, and it's yeah. fun to see like what people come up with, and you know, me and Matt, Nat, Matt's the person now that's doing the artwork, and we like chat every week about it. He's yeah. like, "What do you picture this as?" Yeah, and then we'll talk about what the artwork might be, and then you know, I look forward to seeing what he comes up with, and
1: that's so cool.
0: It's always fun, you know.
1: Yeah, but it didn't. So the the debate show didn't like start as a podcast though, like. You were doing this stuff at Iron Furnace, though, right? Yeah.
0: So we would do the stand-up comedy show at Iron Furnace from 8 to 10. Mm -hmm. And then at 10, most people would leave because it was a Tuesday night. Yeah. And some of us would hang out. And this was, like, in the very early days of Iron Furnace. Some of us would hang out and... Inevitably what would happen is we'd get in these ridiculous arguments. (laughs) And like one of the the one that I remember that like really set me off and go like we should do this as a show because we were just like laughing and having a good time arguing stupid stuff. But what I remember that like really set it off was me arguing with Ryan Shea Mm -hmm. over whether Helen Hunt is hot or not. (laughs) (laughs) Helen Hunt. (laughs) And We were having a great time, and then I was like, why don't we just do this? Like, we have the room, you know, as late as this place is open, Mm -hmm. so why don't we do, like, a late night show? And it was fun to do, but, like, once Iron Furnace closed and I moved to Maggie's Lounge, I was like, I don't want to just do stand-up anymore. I want to try doing this debate show Mm -hmm. as, like, its own thing. It's the show. In, like, a prime time spot rather than, like, late night when nobody can stay out that late or whatever, yeah. Yeah. And part of that was turning it into a podcast to, like, help the promotional effort of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That, yeah, that was, like, a a big move. We stayed for the, when you guys would debate, uh, like, once. Yeah. And we were like, I don't know how this is going to work, but we'll hang out for a little bit. (laughs) I don't know how this is going to go. But we were, like, there to support. And this is, I think, before we even, like, had spoken as human beings before. Um, Because I think it might have been, like, the second time we went. And we're like, wait, there's more. We can hang out. Yeah. Like, and uh, that tends to be our MO when we go to comedy. Like, yeah, we can hang out. Yeah. And, um, but when I saw that you were starting, like, it as the thing, we're like, well, if Sean's doing this thing, we've got to go support Sean doing the thing. And then that's when we we... We got in, I can't even remember where the first one we went to, but then you were like, yeah, and it's a podcast now. And we're like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, uh, I, I remember turning to Katie and was like, that's like a, that's a smart move because then you have preservation Yeah, and having, cause then it's like, we do this thing. Here's a bunch of the things we've done come to more of the thing. Yeah. And that's super smart. So I thought it was a, a big move. What was it like? Starting out putting the podcast together though?
0: Um, so, I had done some podcasts before that were just like much more conversational. Yeah. Um, so, I was kind of familiar with editing and audacity and stuff like that. But, structuring, like creating the structure for the show, mm-hmm. was one of the things that took a little while, like figuring out how to who faces who, yeah. you know, how do we figure out who gets what question. And I feel like you've seen a lot of that because you've, yeah. you were around when. We were probably just randomly asking questions, mm-hmm. and now there's, like, you can pick from categories yep. if you're on the show. It was
1: all a gauntlet to start out.
0: Yes. It used to just be, like, two people would go up at the beginning, and whoever won would just stay the entire night.
1: Which is was so draining to watch for that if, person. For, yeah, I mean... <laughs> if after, they lasted a while.
0: Man, if you lasted five... Yeah. You're what do you possibly have left to say at that point? Exactly. <laughs> like, And you're, all your energy is gone. Mm-hmm. So now we do that sort of thing at the beginning of the show mm-hmm. where there might be like five or six people. And uh, if you start out, you can go through the whole thing. And then you make it into the bracket where mm-hmm. there's 16 people in the bracket once that gauntlet person gets in there. And then we just narrow it down each round down to eight, and mm-hmm. then four, and then two. And then the audience then decides. An audience
1: decide. So this is a super, super local regional comedy scene. We, we get the niche. We get it. But here's the thing. Boston's always been a great comedy city. And so what folks have the opportunity to do is hear some of the people that Going to be lighting up the big, the big stages someday or whatever. You might have that opportunity. Checking out the podcast, listening to some voices that are have some really cool opinions and perspectives, and some that might make you uncomfortable, which is fine. <laughs> it's fine. But I think the cool thing is that it is it puts a lot of it tests a lot of comedians. Yeah, because like there are some people that go up to the debate, I've never heard their actual prepared material. Mm. Like there are many of them that I've never heard prepared material from. And it, to me, it's the best test because you have to be ready to go. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the coolest and trickiest parts of the show is because anyone can be like, I could go argue this thing, but can you be funny while doing it? Right. Which is like a whole other game. In and of itself, what what do you think is like your favorite part of putting putting the whole show together then?
0: I really love the questions that people send in.
1: Oh, yeah. Explain how that happens. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's right. We haven't even <laughs> You don't just about come this. up with
1: all the questions.
0: Yeah, I don't write all of these questions. Usually on a given week, we have about 24 questions that I'll ask. And of those 24, I will try to write between like six and ten but if other people write better questions than what I think I've come up with, I will ask their questions instead. Um, so I will crowdsource them. So I have a Facebook group called Pick a Side, Stupid. And join on, it. Yeah, join the group. Even if you're not... You don't have to be in Massachusetts. No. You don't have to be in the United States. Like You can par- participate in writing questions or reading the weird questions people come up yeah. with or suggesting suggesting like uh debate topics. Yeah. Just being part of the group. It's fun.
1: And it's a great way to, you know, know when the podcast comes out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Also true. Also true. Um but yeah, so I'll go on uh onto the group on a Tuesday, typically, and I will write like this week we are talking about whatever the topic is. Yeah. This week it's about sex, actually. Yeah. But whatever the topic might be i'll be like this week we're talking about that at the debate show just post your questions in this thread mm-hmm. and then we will get anywhere between 150 and 250 questions that A are submitted lot. yeah and, and then i some will good read good
1: stuff and there's some bad yes. stuff <laughs> and i will
0: read every single one of them <laughs> and some of them are bad and some of them are fine questions they're kind of funny but they're not structured properly for the yeah. debate because it has to be you can't ask somebody what's your favorite color you have to say what's your favorite color red or blue mm-hmm. like each participant in the debate has to have an answer handed to them so that yeah. they can argue for that answer uh, you can't just give them an open-ended question so sometimes the questions are bad just because of that yeah. they will just be open-ended
1: yeah and what i think is great is There's even uh, like a further structure beyond that is because it's all based on a point system, too, that you keep a ranking like there's so much you put in (laughs) to this podcast and this debate.
0: I have like system. If you look at this notebook right here, (laughs) right here, I have probably like 30 names of people that wanted to do the show this week and then some backed out and some I couldn't fit on. And yeah, and that's like that's the schedule here's the rankings like i do this (laughs) i have like it written out by hand
1: (laughs) you can use an excel spreadsheet
0: i know i can but i'm averse to technology (laughs) so
1: that would be so much easier it's fine you know what i write things down too i know
0: so actually um one of the fun things is that in the yeah i told you like somebody one of my friends is building an app for this in that when somebody wins a debate it will automatically tally points for them yeah, so it's going to make my job a lot it's easier. It's going to be huge. Yeah. It's going to be big for you, Sean Carter. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, that's what you want. Is you want things to be a little bit easier. Oh, God, it You're would take you Putting me so in a time. lot of work into
0: this. Putting in a lot of work uh, for what some people might not consider like a lot of money. <laughs> 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 but the enjoyment that I get out of it is uh, like infinite. So, that's what you
1: want yeah. from it. You want the. You want joy coming from the things that you do and the things that you spend your time on. Yeah. I mean, I've learned that the hard way with some things where I'm like, man, this is just frustrating and I don't want to waste my energy on this anymore. And then you kind of just like put it to the side. Yeah. So it's good that it's continuing to bring you joy. That's...
0: Yeah, sometimes I sit down and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna tally up the points, and I get excited about it. I'm like, yeah. let's see who's moved up, <laughs> who's moved down, and nobody, like you said, like this is very like niche. Like mm-hmm. we're in Boston, and most people don't mm-hmm. even know this this exists. But to me, it's like my world. So yeah. I'm like, I'm like, did Tyler Derniak move <laughs> up this week? How's Murray Dickinson doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep.
1: And for me, I know those names. People listening might not know those names, but if you listen to the Pick Aside Stupid podcast, hey. You might get used to those names. (laughs) You might get used to their opinions. You won't get to see Tyler's great uh, hockey jerseys, but, you know, you'll get to know that he kissed Ted Pettingill on stage once. That's true, (laughs) yes. A real
0: highlight moment for us.
1: I'll be honest. There have been a couple times where that's happened, and I'm like, well, this is just going to keep happening now. (laughs) I guess so. It's his move. (laughs) Yep. Um, so, how can folks find the podcast? How can they find your CD? Uh,
0: they could find the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, most places that carry And it's
1: literally Pick podcasts. Aside Stupid.
0: Yep, the name of the podcast is Pick Aside Stupid. Oh. And yeah, you can find it on definitely iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher and i found it like carried in places where i didn't even put it they just like same it up, i've
1: so. uh, people have like reached out to me through whatever pod some whatever yeah. and i'm like i have no idea what that is but sweet Make yeah sure great it's, it's on
0: there too cool yeah hell yeah um and my album is called 100 problems and it is also on itunes and it's basically everywhere that you can buy mm-hmm. digital music because it's through a distribution company that just sends it yeah. out to all like 300 digital stores or whatever. So yeah. if you're looking for it wherever you want to listen to it I'm sure you can
1: It's time for the music break portion of the podcast. I'm bringing you a brand new song off the new Florida Man album. The song is called Brain Cell, and the new album is called Tropical Depression. The album comes out on May 3rd through uh, Spartan Records, some of our good friends over there. You can right now go to SpartanRecords.com, get yourself a really sick Orange. The 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 album cover is in orange, which I love because it is my favorite color. And you can get yourself a really sick uh, pinwheel uh, vinyl pressing. You can also get yourself a really neat picture disc of the inside of uh, of an orange, which is really cool and really on brand. Spartan really knows how to actually like match the artwork and the color the colorways for the vinyl. I really love that. You can also get yourself. A little plush orange as well, which is pretty sweet. It's an orange stress ball. Get yourself one of those. That's pretty cool. Uh, so go to SpartanRecords.com. Listen to the listen to the this song. I hope you like it, and maybe you can go pre-order. You can go pre-order the album, right? Like right now, uh, after you hear the song. Whichever you choose. But here it goes. It kind of kicks a lot of ass. So get ready for a song that kicks ass. Here we go. This is Brain Cell by Florida Man. That was Brain Cell by Florida Man. Go over to SpartanRecords.com and get yourself one of the vinyl pressings of it. You can also pre-order the digital copy as well, which is pretty sweet. You can also get uh, yourself one of those cool uh, stress balls if you're early enough on getting one of these records pre-ordered. So yeah, SpartanRecords.com, Florida Man's Tropical Depression. It comes out May 3rd. Now, let's finish up this conversation with Sean Carter. Cool. Let's finish this up with the lightning round. One of my favorite things to do, just because like you don't have to think too much. We can just chill out. That sounds great. Right. um I'm just gonna ask you some things that you might like in the world, and you just let me know what kind of comes to your comes to your head. Okay. Sound good. Yeah. What's your favorite color? Blue. Nice. What's your favorite food? Pizza. Yeah. For Sounds sure. about right. Yeah. Basically anywhere you it seems like
0: Buffalo chicken pizza. Okay.
1: <laughs> Iron Furnace was all about pizza. Yeah. Cheap pizza. Matthew's Somebody lounge, cheap pizza. <laughs>
0: asked me the other day if I book my shows around Pizza. Pizza. Do you? <laughs> around Buffalo chicken pizza specifically. <laughs> they were like, Do you only do shows at places that have that? I was like, no.
1: I like I'm a barbecue chicken kind of guy. That's good too. Yeah. Domino's does a really good barbecue chicken. And I, I love Domino's. Yeah, and I throw red peppers on it. It's very good. Mm. It's like one of those pizzas that like, as you're eating it, the toppings are just sloshing off because yeah. it's just so... It's like... I hate the word, but it's a moist pizza. <laughs> it really is. Do you hate the word moist? I'm not so much, but I also like to... Uh, I know that some people some don't people like, don't it, like so it, so I like it. to soften sure, sure. it a little bit. Gotcha. Uh, kind of like earlier, I had to soften... <laughs> I was talking to you on the other podcast, I had some... Uh, more conservative students come to one of my talks today and I had to soften the conversation on privilege a bit. Oh, yeah. had to soften that one. I was like, I know some people aren't a big fan of this, but we're going to talk about privilege really fast. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be okay. All right. Favorite TV show? Uh, Current and all-time, whatever.
0: One of my favorites all-time is... Parks and Rec. Yeah. Which I did not watch until last year. Really? Yeah.
1: So you just got to binge it all?
0: Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I watched it all in, like, the matter of a few weeks.
1: Damn. Yeah, it's so good. Isn't it wild to watch Chris Pratt change?
0: It happens, like, over the course of... Mm -hmm. It's like he disappears one episode, comes back three episodes later, and Mm -hmm. is a totally different person. Yeah. It's really weird. But also he is just such like his character is such that like such big part of what i think his appeal is that like his look even in the beginning where he w- he wasn't like fit yeah uh didn't really like register that much as a difference to me because he's yeah. just still that like kind of goofy yeah big guy yeah but yeah it de- definitely it was weird to just see him like all of a sudden like 40 50 pounds lighter <laughs> yeah like another episode later. I just
1: love the joke that they're like, "Hey, did you lose some weight? Yeah, I just stopped drinking less. Yes. I just started drinking less beer. <laughs> yes, and that's
0: all that they do to acknowledge it. Yep, like that's the whole that's explanation. That's the whole
1: explanation. Fantastic. It's so I'm good. always told that I'm Chris Traeger, which is ah, fantastic. Yes. Because literally when I get sick, I feel like I'm like the world is ending.
0: You literally are I Chris Trigger.
1: Literally? <laughs> Too many people have told me I'm Chris Traeger. Because I also like to point at people. Yeah. Uh, it gets...
0: That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. I like
0: to tell people which Parks and Rec uh, character they are. Who are you? Uh, I don't know, but I would say that people would probably think that I was uh, Andy.
1: Andy? Yeah. Yeah. We could see it.
0: I think that's what people would say. Yeah. But no, I can see it. I don't know. I can see it. Just like a big, goofy guy. Yeah. Uh, we're like, oh, man. The other day, somebody gave me this compliment. They uh, they go, when I met you, I thought you were just like a townie.
1: We're <laughs> <laughs> like, what do I do with that?
0: And then they're like, but then the longer I've known you, like the smarter you seem. And I'm like, that's exactly how I describe Bill McMahon to people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fantastic,
0: um, but yeah, uh, I guess that's where I would—that's what I would rack,
1: think, think. Andy, hell yeah! Um, what about? Do you have a favorite movie all time or current?
0: Uh, probably Office Space, best mm-hmm. movie of all time. It's so good. Uh, Groundhog Day, also. Yeah. V- Groundhog Day, very close to a perfect movie.
1: Yeah, you—you you did a whole debate show on Groundhog Day. Yeah. Which I didn't know how you're gonna pull off. And it works. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about the show is like it's never about the topic. Right. That's like whatever like the whole bit, it's never really about the topic.
0: Right. Whatever the the show is about, we have to still keep the questions vague enough for somebody that hasn't seen yep. the whatever it's about, right? Mm-hmm. Like if it's a Star Wars debate, we keep it vague enough. We're like, would you rather fight with an alien that's abducted the princess or mm-hmm. rather than using names we just yeah. like
1: um it's been really funny when some people haven't gotten some of the references that are like <sighs> you think super ubiquitous and it's really like being i don't know how you feel but being in the crowd it can be so uncomfortable yeah
0: i try to keep them vague for that reason. And yeah. then sometimes people don't know things that I thought were very obvious. Like when
1: both people didn't understand Lorena uh, Bobbitt.
0: Two people on stage. Neither one knew who Lorena Bobbitt was.
1: It was so uncomfortable. Or was... even just
0: last week when I asked like somebody if they were dropping their car keys in a fishbowl at a party, if they're a swinger, swingers.
1: She and didn't know. she
0: goes, I don't know what a swinger is. <laughs>
1: That was fun.
0: And she's so much younger than I yeah, am. Yeah. So it's like maybe that, maybe that terminology is just gone now. Yeah. Maybe that is just out there. But, but I
1: liked how you explained it. You're like, it's like an open relationship. I don't know how else to, <laughs> no, that how was would good. you say that? <laughs> no, that's exactly what I would have said.
0: <laughs> it's like open, but just for tonight while you're yeah, at the yeah, party. <laughs> yeah.
1: We're just experimenting tonight. Yeah. It's like college, but tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about a uh, favorite book?
0: Oh boy, that's a tough one because I've only read like three. Um, oh. But I would say, no, you know what the last thing that I read was, was the Harry Potter books. Oh, I read nice. all of them last year. Oh yeah. Um, and they were great. Another I would thing say, you got to binge. Yeah, I got to binge it all at once. And I know people, I've talked to people that were like, I'm so jealous. I wish I could have gone and picked up this book the day after I finished reading the other one. Yeah. And it's true. Like I got like roped into that. So I, I would say that was, that was very enjoyable.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what about, uh, do you have, like, a favorite comedian?
0: Um, or someone
1: that, like, inspired you growing up?
0: Yeah, I I think um, I really liked Stephen Wright when I was growing mm-hmm. up a lot. That, like, sort of uh, very dry, yeah. like, clever, but absurd at times. That sort of thing I really was drawn to, you know? Um, and then, like, Mitch Hedberg later on, and, and now it's just, like, it's, I'd say right now, my favorite comic that I've seen recently is Nate Bargatze. He's got a great special out right now. Okay. And, uh, Sarah and I just, like, watched that the other night, and we were Ooh, just cool. cracking up I'll watching. check it out. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's, like, a lot of, a lot of it is just, like, it's, like, not even who I like the most. It's just, like, which one of my friends makes me laugh the most at a show oh, this week. You know what I mean? It's like, so wholesome and pure. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it's, I look at it totally different than I ever did before, man. you know?
1: Um, what's the place that you've loved to travel or have gotten to travel?
0: Um, Man, you know, we went to Dollywood. Really? And it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be yeah. I thought it was going to be terrible. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. Proved you wrong. They've got like roller coasters and stuff. It's a theme That's park. So it's sick. not just like I didn't know that. Yeah, it's not just like a Dolly museum. Oh. Uh there are there are like things there that if you're a big Dolly fan, you can go check out like huh. the like a uh her childhood home sort of what it looked like. It's like an exact replica wow. of her childhood home, which is like smaller than the room that we're sitting in right jeez. now which is just an apartment room for anybody <laughs> that's wild. listening it's not a very big room yeah
1: jeez I like to end the lightning round on the same question what kind of music do you like right now or even all time um Men's, whatever
0: man you know recently I was uh told about this band that I've been listening to called Man Man okay uh which I've been enjoying cool um I listen to a lot of uh, rap uh, okay. and uh, in the past, big fan of System of a Down. Hell yeah. Not everybody agrees <laughs> with me. Dude. Sarah doesn't agree. Dude, I'll
1: throw it down to some System
0: of yeah, a Down. Yeah, see? Toxicity, steal this album. Me, you, and Dana J. Bine.
1: Right there with both of those, at least.
0: Love the System of a Down. Oh, yeah. 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 And I was yeah. like, I, that's what I was listening to when I was running the other day. Nice. I was like, this is good running music. Oh, totally yeah. is. Yeah.
1: Prison song? to like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's great. It's good stuff. Yeah. So. I agree with you on that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's hard to say, like, favorite of all time. Because yeah. I feel like music just, like, I go through. I'll, I'll be obsessed with some album for, like, yeah. a few months. And then I'm just, like, I Next. like it from there on out. But, like, it's never the same yeah. as when you're hearing it for, like, the first two or three months. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a couple of bands that I really like uh, just dropped out, both dropped albums on Friday. Mm -hmm. So I've just been cycling back and forth with those two albums since Friday. Yeah. And so I'm just like, and that tends to happen because then I'll put them aside and I'll go to the next stuff that comes out and then I'll go back to them. But yeah, you kind of have to come in waves with some music. It's fine.
0: I agree. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for chatting with me.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me on.
1: This was a lot of fun. So listen to the Pick Aside Stupid podcast, 100 Problems. Sean Carter, thanks so much. And if you're ever in town, Quincy, Massachusetts, Friday nights, 7 p.m., Maggie's Lounge. We we have a lot of fun.
0: And they've got good pizza.
1: They do. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks again. Did it. We did the thing. That's it. We did the thing. I'm very thankful for my buddy Sean sitting down and chatting with me about his entire life of comedy and how he got through through to where he is today. Putting together a really kick-ass podcast and weekly debate as well as hosting a bunch of other stuff in the city in Boston. So if you're ever in town in Boston and you need something to do, on uh say a monday night or a wednesday night or a friday night sean's likely got you covered you can find some comedy in town just through that guy just through knowing him you'll get the hookup. uh i'm very thankful he was willing to chat with me make sure to check out the pick aside stupid podcast uh i'm actually gonna be a guest on it and the 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 episode we're recording this week on sex which is really exciting so maybe i'll Put out a link to that when it goes up, so y'all can go check that out. Check me out on his podcast. Hell yeah! Um, make sure you check out his album 100 Questions." It's anywhere that you can get uh, music and/or comedy. I'll put links to it in the show notes, so you can get to it on your own. Again, connect edu network. Connect edu Network dot connect edu dot network that's how you get it that's how you listen to all the other podcasts and the wonderful connect edu network and then you can still connect with the art of survival at art dot com and check out our patreon at patreon.com slash art of survival please check out all the stories and all the resources that we have in case you need them but That's really all I've got for the rest of this uh, episode. Just want to thank you all for listening and hope that you'll return next week and hope that you'll uh, support my friends who do really cool shit. Um, Next week should be a really fun episode as well. And with that, let's get to work.